you're thinking I was really upset there? That was me being chill. <laughs> you don't actually understand how I'm actually mad I could have gotten there. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 62, the Scott Pollard edition of the podcast. He was a mid-first round pick in 1997 by the Detroit Pistons and played in the NBA until 2008 when he won the NBA title with the Celtics that year. The main reason, however, I wanted to bring him up is because he was on the 32nd season of Survivor. I find it fascinating that Survivor has had so many former athletes compete from Pollard to Brad Culpepper, who was in the NFL, to Tom Laidlaw, a former NHL player, to MLB's Jeff Kent, and strangely enough, John Rocker, which probably wasn't their best idea. He's a pretty bad dude. Google it. I'm sure there were others that competed that I'm forgetting, and I apologize for that. Now, I'm not one for hyperbole, but I need to discuss perhaps the most catastrophic event in the history of my bathroom. After four glorious years together, my spectacular bidet broke without warning. I can't underscore enough how rattling of an experience that could be when you're all set to use the greatest invention in the history of our lifetime, and the nozzle doesn't work anymore. As you can tell, I'm still reeling pretty hard about it. This is going to take a while for me to get over. You could say I'm having a pretty bad bidet, <laughs> or the worst bidet ever. I'm clearly butthurt over it. I digress. Let's go to something a little more uplifting to raise my spirits, who happens to be my next guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on my good friend, Aki Minas. He's one of the lads from back home where I grew up near Ottawa, and he fancies himself something of a fashionista. He's also the most tuned-in NFL insider of all time. So we'll discuss this week's NFL draft. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Aki. Mike, you give me too much credit. Thanks for having me on the show, man. <laughs> no, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, well, I guess where to begin? Uh, I suppose the NFL is a good way to start. Uh, you're a huge Miami Dolphins fan, which is very, very commendable. I'll give you uh, all the props in the world for that. It's been a lot, a lot of lean, year, lean years for the, that team for a while. Uh, how torn up are you that uh, Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, is no longer on the team? So when I first heard that he was traded, not going to lie, I was pretty gutted. But, I mean, that, that's the game. You can't really control what happens. You can't fall in love with too many players because I've had the luck where I'll buy somebody's jersey or I'll get a gift with somebody's jersey, and then they get traded two, three months later. So I kind of had to detach myself from everything, but uh, it, it sucked. What, uh, what players did you, uh, did you buy the jersey of and that ended up being traded? So... Funny enough, Jarvis Landry, um, he was with the team for a while. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get his jersey. And my girlfriend, now fiance, Elia, got it for me. And then two, three months later, he was traded. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there goes that. <laughs> oh, that's definitely worst. Yeah, I have so many jer- different jerseys. Same sort of, th- same sort of idea. I th- I'm not sure if I've ever said this story on the podcast before, though. But uh, a couple of years ago, I was so, so excited about this. I was posting it all over Instagram. I was so fired up. Uh, Jerry Rice played for uh, a season at the end of his career uh, with the Seahawks in like 2004, I think it was. And uh, obviously, it was amazing to get him. Clearly, he was well past his prime at that point. I think he was 42 or 43, something like that. But uh, I was so excited to, to get his jersey. And I saw one at like this um, this sale for like $4 or something. And I'm like, oh, this is incredible. This jersey, so good. I wore it out like with my buddies. This is, of course, a few years ago before the pandemic time. So I actually could go to bars. And I was so excited to wear this jersey, and I'm like, you know, I'm pimping out. I'm Jerry Rice jersey, so sick. And my buddy's like, um, that's 18. Wasn't Sidney Rice 18 on the Seahawks? And I'm like, oh, my God. I wore 
The, uh, it's not a Jerry, Jerry Rice wore 81, and I, I'm such a moron, I guess. I saw it in the mirror, of course, 18 reversed in the mirror is 81, so I was like, yeah, I have a sweet jersey. Turns out I have a Sydney Rice jersey, so it wasn't, uh, That's well, amazing. It wasn't so good. But you at least what? it only cost four bucks. I mean, exactly. At that point, you can't really go wrong with $4. The jersey's a jersey. <laughs> Man, not, not so good. So, yeah, obviously, they, like I said, they got rid of Fitzpatrick, the Dolphins. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa is, uh, go, in, will enter his second year. Are you sold on him, yeah. or do you think uh, the Dolphins should be looking for another quarterback in the draft? So, I mean, it's tough because this draft, like the first four or five rounds, I could see four quarterbacks going, and it's it's pretty nice. That being said, he wasn't given a fair chance. It was his first year, uh, no preseason, COVID going on with everything. It was just, it's pretty much like he was set up for failure. So, I mean, you got to give the guy a second chance, give him another year, another third year. If you look at uh, uh, Buffalo's quarterback, Josh Allen, mm-hmm. the last couple of years, he wasn't doing fantastic. And all of a sudden this year, they just blew up like crazy. Yeah, you, de- you definitely saw with Allen, like there was definitely the moments, like his first couple of years of his career where, you know, clearly there was moments of uh, you know greatness, but yeah, there was also some eh, some sketchy stuff, but especially with his accuracy. But yeah, you're right. This, the the yeah. third year is oftentimes in the NFL. That third year is so huge. So I think yeah, I think I agree. I think the Dolphins have to at least stick with uh, Tagovailoa for now. But the only issue I think I would have is he didn't really ever try to throw the ball downfield much last year at all. It seemed like. Yeah, I, I saw the same thing too, and I don't know if that was just because there was a lack of you know, wide receivers, constant injuries. I think Parker was out for a good amount of time. Um, it was it was not a good scenario. But, I mean, Brian Flores' coach was phenomenal. I was sold on him the first year they had him. Um, I think they might have either just missed the playoffs or just made it to the playoffs. I can't remember. Ooh. But uh, he's, he's probably one of the best coaches we've had in years, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. You, you can't really fancy yourself. You can't really say, you know, oh, I'm a huge uh, Dolphins fan. And you can't remember if they even made the playoffs? Really? Ooh. It's, it, uh, I Yikes. know, it's, it's tough. Call it, the, call it the COVID blues, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm a little forgetful. Yeah, no, they, uh, they just missed the playoffs. Uh, Fitzpatrick uh, started quite a few of the games, and of course they put Tagovailo in, and he had a couple of games where he struggled, and they sort of went back and forth on that. And Fitzpatrick did have the incredible uh, pass against the Raiders. I think it was like week 16, I want to say, where the guy like ripped his face mask off at the same time he heaved like a 50-yard pass down the field. That was, uh, that was amazing. I, I, love, I love Fitzpatrick. He's just, there's, uh, it's always entertaining with him. Oh, for sure. And uh, just a correction, I wasn't referring to last year. I was referring to the year before. Ah. I think it was a, a wild card spark with the uh, Steelers, I believe, uh, maybe a year or two ago. But no, last year, that was yeah, that was insane. I, I had no hopes for them to make the playoffs because every time I do, I just get gutted. But then they started winning and winning and winning. And I'm like trying to keep my hopes down. But towards the end, I'm like, I, I can't. I have to go in this. I got to ride the wave or else I'm going to regret it. But, no, that was a fantastic play. Just face mask, couldn't see anything, chucked the ball downfield. You know, everything worked perfectly for them, and uh, they won the game. That's true. I think, actually, yeah, the year you're referring to is uh, Matt Moore, I believe, ended up coming into the game against the Steelers. Like, he was their starting quarterback because uh, their incumbent, um, I think it might have even been Tannehill, was injured. So then Matt Moore came in. I think he got just dummied in a play in the playoff game against the Steelers, and they uh, they lost the game. Uh, yeah, I think that might have been... Gosh, three, four years ago or something like that. It's uh, I think it might have been Adam Gase's first year with the Dolphins. I want to say, and, quite possibly, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's amazing how quick, how quickly the years fly by. You're like, oh yeah, that's already been like five, six years ago or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, what are you uh, what are you thinking uh, or what are you hoping the Dolphins do uh, in the draft? 
So if they keep their sixth overall instead of trading it for um, for some other picks, I'm either hoping they go for Jamar Chase, uh, Jalen Waddle, or Kyle Pitts. It's so you, tough. I mean, skill I'm position so guys, really, yeah, the receivers and tight end. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, with Pitts, you kind of get that dual threat as a tight end and wide receiver. And uh, with Chase, he's just elite. He's phenomenal. So either Chase or Pitts, I would be happy either way. I uh, I find uh, I haven't been as like in tuned or as invested as I usually would be going into this NFL draft this week because uh, uh, obviously the Seahawks don't have a first round pick, so it's just sort of it's not the same. Obviously, when you're when you have a bunch of picks, especially the Dolphins have yeah. so many. How many picks do they have? They have a, they have a bunch, so it's uh, they are definitely set up. If they can hit on a couple of these uh, picks, they might be set up for a good long time. And that's what I'm hoping. I mean, uh, Greer did a phenomenal job of getting a draft capital. Not really the greatest drafter himself, but I mean, he's got a lot to work with. So as long as he makes a couple good moves in the start, especially with the 6th and 18th overall, that's that's really what he needs to set up for success. Especially because Miami's just, you know, they're uh, looking for a edge rusher, I believe. I think that's what they're lacking most, in my opinion. But, you know, just setting up the team for success adding to their O-line, getting some more uh, defense. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's as much as he can do. There's definitely, uh, you know, brighter days ahead for the Dolphins after many, you know, a couple decades, certainly, since Dan Marino left of, uh, largely anyway, uh, misery. So it's, uh, I, I had a previous guest on, Scott Hart, many moons ago, also a Dolphin fan, and we went over, I asked him, like, can you name all the Dolphins starting quarterbacks since Dan Marino? I, I can't remember, there might have been like 37 or something like that quarterbacks, and he got a bunch of them, but it's like, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long road. It's not easy finding quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, some people just, uh, tend to think like it's just so simple, they grow on trees, but it is very difficult. Yeah, it uh, it is, especially with quarterbacks and coaches. I find, especially with football, coaching matters way more than maybe other sports. Um, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Tua can do, giving him a real chance, getting those preseason reps, and um, you know, seeing what he can do. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, how excited! So this last year, obviously, uh, Tom Brady was not in the di- in the division. He went to Tampa Bay and won a Super Bowl because he's a goat. Uh, how excited were you to finally get that guy out of your division? Uh, probably one of the happiest days of my football watching career. It's uh, it's been a tough road. I mean, whenever somebody asked me about Tom Brady or Bill Belichick, it was tough because they're in the same division. I hated admitting it. I never did, but now that he's out, I can say it. He he is the goat. He's the most winningest quarterback. He's the best. It's uh, fantastic. I loved watching him in Tampa Bay so much so that I even got a jersey with my brother-in-law. We got matching ones. And just, you know, I love selling or celebrating the guy's success. Not only because he's just so great on the field, but he's just, he's such a great guy off the field. You know, no scandals. Uh, just a real stand-up guy. Yeah, you're right. There hasn't been a whole lot that's uh, ever been, you know, very, very few, if any, missteps in his career. You said brother-in-law. Are you referring to a, a previous podcast guest, Peter Panay, uh, from a few episodes ago? <laughs> That's exactly who I'm referring to, the uh, Dallas Cowboys fan himself. <sighs> yeah, he was not too happy with uh, Dak Prescott uh, being uh, signed, uh, re-signed, I guess, by the Dallas Cowboys. But as I mentioned, it's not it's really, really difficult to find a quarterback. Most uh, teams aren't like the Packers who can go from Favre to Rodgers to maybe Jordan Love. It's like it, it's very, very difficult. So if you have a quarterback who's at least you know top 10 quarterback, which Pre- uh, Prescott certainly is, yeah, you, you, you can't get rid of him. You just can't. It's a tough position, obviously, but, uh, you know, uh, he was not a fan of that. Uh, that, that is for sure. Uh, so, and you're obviously referring to Tom Brady being the GOAT. 
I still yeah. hear from a lot of different people. It's amazing how many people just do not think they will not, um, you know, accept the fact that he is the best quarterback of all time. Clearly, he's had great defenses that have helped him. You can't win a Super Bowl. I don't care how good of a quarterback you are without good defenses and you know good offensive line. Blah 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 blah. But uh, of course. It's a, what an amazing story! He goes to Tampa Bay, and when the first year they win the Super Bowl, I did, it's actually pretty amazing. No, it's fantastic. And I mean, I think I know uh, one individual you're referring to, a uh, Mr. Spiro Karadakis, if I'm not mistaken. Previous guest, yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's everyone will judge a player by different merits based on either, you know, natural ability, uh, strength, accuracy, arm power. But I mean, so, it's, it's pretty easy to admit Tom Brady has never been like the most athletic, but his hard work and just willing to win and his IQ and just the way he studies everything, you know, that's far superior to what I think uh, anything else can be attributed to. And isn't it even more impressive in a way that he hasn't been athletic and been able to do all these different things? Because I worry, like obviously my, my favorite team is the Seahawks and Russell Wilson's fantastic. He's able to run away, run away from a lot of problems. I think he's 33 years old now, but I worry that, you know, three, four, five years down the road, if, if not sooner, you know, his ability to, that's part of his game, his ability to scramble away from trouble. If he loses that as he gets to closer to age 40, he might be, he might fall off a cliff. You never know, right? And so I think it's almost more impressive that Brady hasn't had these crazy physical uh, skills earlier in his career, and he's still fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And what's another thing is that he hasn't really been that badly injured throughout his career, as far as I can remember. And that's just, uh, that's fantastic. Like, it's attributed to great defense, like you said, and, you know, they say defense wins championships. And it's true. Without a good defense, you can't win. Obviously, without a good offense, you can't win either. But uh, I've, I've been saying for the past years before uh, the Dolphins started becoming a little bit better, getting better coaches, better players, you know, their O-line was the biggest thing that was missing from them. And, and you can tell because look at Ryan Tannehill now. He's phenomenal in um, Tennessee. I'm, I'm so happy for him. Sad to see him go because I really liked him as a quarterback. But, no, his success is something else right now. He actually helped me win my fantasy championship for the first time this year with that big 45-yard uh, run touchdown. Oh, oh actually, I one. It's funny you say that because I was just going to say no one cares about your fantasy team, uh, you know, and and nobody ever does. Uh, not you specifically, <laughs> but any fantasy team. But on that same play, I won like 180 bucks or something like that because I I bet on him to as against Green Bay, I think on a Sunday Netter, I believe. And I bet on him to get the next, next touchdown, and then all of a sudden I see this huge run. I'm like, yes, Tannehill, sweet, what a beauty. Exactly. So I know. I'm so happy. Oh, Without no. that, I would have lost for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess pretty much the only season that Brady did lose uh, any length of time was uh, when he was injured in week one against Kansas City uh, way back, in, I believe it was 2008, and he missed the last 15 games. Other than that, he's been unbelievably durable, that is uh, for sure. Uh, yes. Let's switch sports here a little bit. Um, you're a big Sens fan growing up in Ottawa. Uh, what do you think of the, about the team, and, uh, and how excited are you for the Maple Leafs to maybe win the Cup? Good questions. Uh, well, I'm pretty pumped for the Sens. It's it's been a rough go, especially with all the management things going on in the past couple of years. Um, it's been a rough stretch, giving away a lot of our good players. Like uh, everything started with like the whole Carlson and I think Mike Hoffman thing with their wives, uh, and then Mark Stone being traded. It was just losing a lot of key pieces. It sucked, but we got a lot of young players. We're back to the retro jerseys. You know, everything is going in the right direction. We're winning games, which is nice. We beat Toronto a couple times, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, those but jerseys are amazing. Uh, no question about that. 
Yeah, I just ordered one the other day, and uh, I came in the mail. I, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself, and I wore it to work. Did you, as following up on the earlier point that you made, did you get a player on the back of that jersey? No, because of my past history, I said <laughs> unless it's somebody like a staple that will not be traded ever, or even if they're traded, they're such a veteran that you know they're always going to be considered as part of the team. I just, I didn't get anybody. Plus, they're so new. I never. I never know what's going to happen with them. That's definitely a, probably a smart call. To, uh, you know, instead of getting a whoa, that was a weird sound. Uh, yeah, definitely a smart call. Like not getting a player on the back of that jersey. Plus, obviously cheaper. Uh, how rattled yeah. would you be if the Leafs won the Stanley Cup? By the way, honestly, I wouldn't be too too rattled. I mean, I think the biggest thing would be all uh, my buddies who are fans, such as yourself, just not letting it go. And I know mm-hmm. this personally because I still. I still bring up the fact that Greece won the Euro in 2004 and has been like 17 years. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what uh, Leafs fans will be like. Well, that's the thing about, um, I always thought, I always hate about Leaf fans who are like, well, Montreal is the last Canadian team in the playoffs. Like, we got to cheer for them. They're Canadian. Are you kidding me? No, no, because the Habs fans, and, and I, I would be the same way if I were a Hab fan, and thank God I'm not, but they, they're going to be relentless for the rest of your life ripping you and saying, yeah, we won the Stanley Cup. Like, no, you cannot, ha- if, you're a di- if you're a true diehard Leaf fan, <laughs> no way, shape, or form do you want the the Canadians to win the cup, but it's unbelievable how many fans are like, well, they're a Canadian team. That is such a dumb, lazy argument. If if the Stanley Cup was between Toronto and any other American team, I'll go for Toronto 100%. I know the uh, Battle of mm. Ontario was always going to be real, but I mean, it, you always got to go with a Canadian team in the end, no matter what kind of fan you are. Intr- well, that's, that's exactly flies in the face of what I was just saying. That's the exact opposite. I'm saying, no, I'm saying if I'm a Leaf fan, no way, shape, or form would I want Ottawa to win. No way would I want Montreal <laughs> to win. That'd be the stupidest thing ever because of the very, re- it's not about the team necessarily, but it's about the fans being able to rub it in your face. So I think that's a horrible take by you that uh, you want the Canadian teams. That's nonsense. I disagree. That's just you being salty as a Leafs fan. You got to look at the bigger picture, Mike. Got to no. look at Canada. No chance. Yes. No, no chance. Would I ever want the Canadians to win the cup? Because, like I said, their fans are annoying as a, as it is already. They would just be even more. They'd be a hundred times more annoying. So, absolutely not. I, I don't mind. Uh, like, uh, I wouldn't mind like Winnipeg winning or Calgary or something like that, or Edmonton even. It's fine. But it's basically just the 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 the, the biggest rivals. Like a Red Sox fan would never cheer for the Yankees to win the World Series. Oh, they're in the American League East. I got to cheer for them. No, 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 no. That's that. That's what I'm saying. Just the the direct rivals for your team is uh, no can do for me at least. I guess. I mean, I'm kind of skeptic in that case. I, it's funny enough. I'm the same way with Greek soccer. Like within the Greek league. Like uh, my brother-in-law, Pete, also passed guest on the show. He's the rival team of my team. Ooh. And no way, no how will I ever cheer for his team there to win go. the cup as opposed to my team. But it's weird how it's hockey. I'm like, you know what? Even with the Battle of Ontario, I hate the Leafs. But for some reason, I still want them to win. I don't know. The Leafs are the only Toronto team that I really don't like. I'm a Jays fan. I'm a Raptors fan. I, it's, I, I don't know what it is about the Leafs. Probably just the way I grew up in, uh, with the Senators uh, always you know, being rivals. Well, it makes sense, and obviously uh, Ottawa always losing in the uh, you know in the, in the mid two thousand or the early two thousands, losing to the Leafs uh, in the playoffs every year. Understandably, you wouldn't like that. I remember actually uh, way back in the day in high school, a good buddy of mine, Mark, uh, he was a, a, a diehard Sens fan. I'm a Leaf fan. Uh, the Sens swept the Leafs in the regular season. So going into the the postseason, I can't even remember what the bet was for. I think it was just for like a, a meal at Jim's restaurant or something like that in our prior restaurant. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and uh, the bet was for him. He says the Sens will sweep the Leafs in the playoffs. I got every other scenario. If the, if the Sens even won in five, I would still win the bet. 
And then that was the year the Leafs swept the Sens in the, in the playoffs, which was just so funny that he was so confident of that. And then Toronto just crushed them, which was fantastic. It's I don't know what it is. Every time we played the Leafs, it just we ended up choking. But again, that's just like the Leafs playing against anybody else in the first round. Look at Boston. You guys were up and I'm oh. losing 4-3 and just it's crushing. Yep. Oh, and I know I'm rubbing salt in the wounds. Yeah, no, that was uh, that, that was absolutely uh, a heartbreaker, no question about that. <laughs> I, I've actually asked this question to, to some people before. I, I'm wondering your thought on this. Uh, sure. Say you were a fan of a team. So would you rather your team win one championship and then be terrible for like the next 20 years, like never have a chance, basically never make the playoffs? I, I, the best example, even though they won two of them, say the Marlins had only won the one. Because the Marlins won the one uh, in 97, and they won in uh, 2003, the World Series. Say they, they'd only won one of them. Would you rather okay. be a fan of a team that won the championship, so you could always say I won, but then be trash for like 20 years, or would you rather be a fan of, like, the, say, the San Jose Sharks, who are always there, except for the last couple of years, who are always there, make one final, but never win? Would you, would you rather at least always be excited to be having a chance to win, or would you rather win the one time and then it'd be terrible the rest of the time? No, you got to go for the one-time championship because if you don't, then you're basically setting yourself up for heartbreak every year. It's exciting. It's fun getting there. But at the end of the day, if you keep losing year after year in the finals, it's going to bother you and it's going to get to you. And you're going to say, why can we win just one time? Just one time. Well, you don't know this uh, in the rules of engagement beforehand. You don't know that they, they never win. In, in your mind, I'm, I'm saying for a 20-year period, you know for sure you win and you have 19 years of being brutal. And in the other other example, the 20 years, you know you're always in the playoffs and you always have a shot. shot. You don't know. You might win. You might win five. You might win zero. You have no idea. Which yeah. one do you take? I think I take the, the um, uh, at least being a, having a chance every year. Because obviously it'd be sweet to win the one title. But the rest of the time, to know you're just a garbage team, I think that would just be frustrating. Yeah, well, when you put it that way, if if it's unknown what's going to happen, then yeah, you gotta you gotta play the numbers, you gotta play probability, and you know go with some more chances because the more times you go, the more chances you have to win, right? And it's funny enough because uh, I remember years ago when the Sens were playing with Pittsburgh in I think the conference finals, yep. right before the Stanley Cup. I was telling Pete, I'm like, if they beat Pittsburgh, they're going to beat Nashville, and they're going to get the Stanley Cup. Mark my words. Obviously, it didn't happen because they didn't win. But I mean, they're just—they're so close, one goal away, yep. just one overtime goal away from making it, and it, it was—it was heartbreaking. But obviously, it wasn't bad as uh, 2007 when they actually made the Stanley Cup Finals and just got destroyed. They played so well up to that point. I don't know what happened. It's like a switch just turned, and they played like trash, absolute trash. I was angry. I was so upset. I was crying. It was mm-hmm. the most disappointing time. Everyone was laughing at me and my family just because they're like, what are you doing crying over sports? But I'm like, no, it, it hurts so much. Yes, I, I totally understand. Anyone who doesn't, uh, who isn't fully passionate or on board with the team, especially if you've been with a team for many, 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 many years and they haven't won especially, you know, they don't understand, uh, you know, the fight. They don't understand how tough it is or whatever. You know, I, I totally get it. It, it's funny. It's, it's this is like this podcast is bringing back like old memories of when I was younger, which was hilarious. <laughs> uh, I remember a Thanksgiving. Uh, it was, I think it was two thousand four. Seahawks Rams. The Seattle started the year I think four or five and zero. Like they were on fire. They were up seventeen points in the Rams in the fourth quarter. So I was uh, surrounding with family. I was watching the game. I said, guys, I still got to watch the game. They're, they're, we understand. Seattle choked away that game, seventeen points up in the fourth quarter, and lost the game. Obviously, I was extremely rattled because the Rams were their division rival. It was a horrible loss. In my mind, I kept it together as well as I possibly could. Like, in my mind, I was 
a gentleman about it. I was obviously pissed, but I was really good about it. Afterwards, they're like, oh, man, you were like really pissed. You were really upset. I'm like, you're thinking I was really upset there? That was me being chill. You don't actually understand how actually mad I could have gotten there. It was just so funny. Yep, yep, exactly. I, uh, funny enough, although I feel bad saying this, sometimes when I'm watching uh, Sunday Night Football and I'm watching the Seahawks game, I'm kind of hoping they lose just so I could see one of your famous Instagram rants. <laughs> I, I love them so much. I can't get enough. Uh, it's funny you say that because it, as my, obviously I want them to win as well, but in my mind, I do sometimes go to that. Like, oh, at least I'll, at least be losing by halftime because oftentimes they do. For some reason, they're just, a, generally speaking, a really slow starting team. Because then I can have, yeah. the, have the rant. But of course, obviously, hopefully win the game in the end. But uh, no, I do think with that, like once it, when you're winning games, it's kind of hard to rant. Obviously, what's the rant about? Yeah. You're winning the game, but yeah, if they lose, it's obviously more entertaining for sure. Exactly, and I remember that uh, I can't remember which game it was this season where Dolphins ended up losing, and I was just so frustrated. And you and I were texting each other. And I'm like, can you please do one of the rants for me? Like, I need this. I'm so frustrated, I can't get the words out. I need you to do it for me. And you came through. It, was, it made me laugh. Yeah, forget about the pain. How in the living hell, if you're Ryan Fitzpatrick and you're a veteran quarterback of like 15 years, could you possibly put yourself in a position to maybe get COVID a super important game after many miserable, miserable years under Adam Gase, such a horrible football team, you have a chance to make the playoffs, and then you can't even play the game because, let's be honest, Tua Tagovailoa, first year, yes, he's had some good moments, but holy crap, he cannot throw the ball more than like five yards down the field, it seems. They are absolutely going to regret not drafting Justin Herbert. Oh, my God, man, B. Dolphins. I don't understand. You had a chance to make the play. Brian Flores, by the way, an amazing, amazing coach. Don't get me wrong. He's incredible. You had a chance to make the playoffs. If you're Fitzpatrick and you don't put your bad, yourself in a bad position, you could make it. If you're too tangled with Bailoa, can you not throw football further down the field? What the? How do you like this egg against the Buffalo Bills when you actually finally had a chance to make the playoffs again? It is absolutely disgusting. It pisses me off. There's someone who is like, dude, man, like... You know, some, they were basically thinking I was a Dolphin fan and because of, of how upset I was. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That was just me on, on the, uh, as the voice of Dolphin fans. <laughs> exactly. You spoke for all of us. Yeah, it was so funny. Uh, let's switch to a, a sport that I, generally speaking, don't care much about. However, this story uh, it does intrigue me. There was a Euro Super League for soccer was going to be created, and everyone was, like, totally up in arms and going, going crazy about it. They were so mad about it. I thought it was hilarious that everyone was just instantly mad. What did you think about uh, the Euro? The fa- looks like the failed uh, Euro Super League. Honestly, I'm kind of happy about it. At first, I wasn't too sure what the whole deal was, but then I started talking to a lot of my buddies, and they're pretty much saying like the rich clubs would get richer, and it would just be easy for them. And you know what? It's it's true. Soccer or any sport, really, it's not about the money. Who has more? It's really about who's willing to put in the effort, who's willing to play. Obviously, you need money for players, but I mean, when you take it to the next level and just make it completely unfair for a certain amount of teams, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And I think this one coach or um, uh, sports, I can't remember who said it, but he's like, football is basically any given Sunday or any given day, the weak team can beat the strong team or something like that. I'm paraphrasing pretty badly, actually, but it <laughs> resonated with me. I'm like, you know what? It's true. You know, any team should be able to beat any team based on, you know, X, Y, Z. But at the same time, like if you just give them that much of an advantage, that much more money, it's just, it's unfair and you lose the fun. It, it, it destroys the whole league. I'm going to guess perhaps uh, that co- that manager was uh, Jurgen Klopp from Liverpool, maybe. 
Um, I love him. I think he's just uh, the funniest. Like I, I he, him, um, and uh, was it Jose Mourinho? I think I, I think he just got fired. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not the greatest on soccer, but uh, they're really, really funny for post game clips because they're just, they're just, uh, they're fiery. I love it. Yeah, I love Mourinho. It's funny enough because uh, he used to coach before he got fired. My one of the teams that I follow, the Tottenham Hotspurs. It's uh, it, it sucked. I can understand why. I mean, he wasn't really performing. It's been a while. Like he's been fantastic. Uh, previously, he's won three Champions Leagues, I believe. But I mean, he just, it just wasn't cutting it. And I think with the whole Super League, he wasn't allowing players to train, uh, kind of like in a protest. And I guess that was the final straw. And they just gave him the axe. But you know what? I still love him as a coach. I love his uh, his quick wittedness, his snappiness. It's uh, it's entertaining. Well, I can't remember the exact clip, but yeah, essentially a couple of years ago, some reporter, I guess, challenged Mourinho about like you know him not being good, and essentially he was just like, "I have three chips. Like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, I have three, I have three titles. Like, shut up." And it was a, it was it was a, it was a classic rant. Three premierships, and I won more premierships alone than the other nineteen managers together. Three for me and two for them. Respect, 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 man, respect, respect. Uh, I want to go back to the, what you just said, though. You have a, you you like a couple teams? Is that possible? Is that allowed in soccer? Because uh, I, I think people who like uh, two teams in a in a league uh, are scabs normally. Well, it's it's not within the same league. I mean, for Premier ah. League, I'm a Hotspur fan through and through. But uh, for La Liga, I'm a Barcelona fan. So, gotcha. I mean, it depends per league. Yeah. That's fair. And that's, that's the thing about the Super League. To me, obviously, I don't really watch much soccer. Like I said, to me, I was like, okay, so there's going to be one league? I actually am down for that because there's so many leagues. Champions League, Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga. There's so many. I was just like, hey, just... Put them all in one league. So I, I was excited for for a, a hot minute there for actually the possibility of the best teams, or at least the the, mo- the most powerful teams anyway, being in one league. But then everyone was mad. Yeah, they they were not happy. And I mean, concept wise, I understand it. It's kind of like you know you put the best of the best against each other. But I mean, that's basically what Champions League is like. You know, you do well throughout your respected leagues, and then sure enough, you get promoted to Champions League and see who's the best of the best. So I mean, I think that's kind of where the whole disconnect was. Um, that makes sense, and I'd like for you to personally apologize to me because a couple of years ago I bet on Tottenham to win uh, the uh, the Champions League, and they failed spectacularly. So, could you please apologize and also repay my money? <laughs> I cannot, but I will apologize on behalf of all the fans because that was that was gut wrenching. I was. Uh, it's funny enough. I I had a couple of buddies over. I had my cousin, one friend, and I think Pete came over as well. And the game was just starting. I'm like, guys, I got to go wear my jersey. I'll be right back. Literally, less less than 30 seconds. I go upstairs. I come down, and we're already losing one nothing. I'm like, what's Ooh. going on? And then as I'm watching the replay, I'm like, are you kidding me? You're giving them that for a, a penalty shot? I'm like, I, that, I don't know. To me, it wasn't warranted. And typically, I'd like to think I'm pretty fair when I'm watching games. Like, even when uh, when Hotspurs, you know, get uh, get certain calls, I'm like, you know, that's kind of sketchy. I probably wouldn't have given a call, but whatever. I'm not going to go against it. It's for my team. Mm-hmm. But, no, it was it was ridiculous, and it changed the tone of the whole game. Granted, they had, like, 88 minutes plus injury time to play and get a goal. It was it was upsetting the whole time, and it, I can't let that go. Oh, I, I totally understand. Like, uh, I can't let go of the Seahawks losing because the referees uh, screwed them in the Super Bowl against the Steelers uh, in 2006. The uh, referees cle- uh, clearly were, uh, you know, uh, wanting to gift wrap uh, Pittsburgh that game, and I'll never let that go. It's 15 years later. I'm the same way, so I totally understand that. And that's what that's part about being a true fan. A true fan 
can't ever let go of those losses. They hurt more than wins. That is, well, obviously they hurt more than a win, clearly. But I'm saying the the low of lows is worse than the high of highs. Is what I'm trying to say. Funny enough, I thought you were going to mention the uh, Super Bowl where they should have ran, in, but instead of throwing the ball in the one yard line. Uh, well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking about how great Tom Brady was earlier, and I was thinking, like, in my mind, I should be hating him because obviously he beat uh, Seattle in that game. But <laughs> as I've discussed at length on this podcast and some of these Instagram lives, I think the, they should have absolutely passed because they were thinking they were going to run the ball. I just didn't like the type of pass. What, what the, the type of pass wasn't good. Of course, it's obviously hindsight as well. What they should have done was roll Wilson out, give him a chance to either throw it in, throw it away, or run it in. Because at that, at that point in his career, Wilson had definitely had better wheels. So that should have been there. What I also didn't love was the fact that it was from the shotgun formation. So they didn't, they didn't even try to disguise the fact that they weren't running the ball, basically. So that was weird. Like, if you're going to do the play, that's fine, but uh, to me anyway. But it's weird that they didn't even disguise it into making it seem like they were going to run the ball there. So that, that, was, that was way off base. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I thought it was a good idea in hindsight to throw the ball to. Nobody would expect it, especially when you have Marshawn Lynch right there at the one-yard line like with such little time. It's the obvious thing to do. So, I mean, no, I, I probably would have done the same thing in Pete Carroll's case. And I think I've mentioned before, it's like I think four times in that game on third and one or fourth and one when they needed that one-yard Lynch in that, in that exact game was not able to do it, which is really weird. Uh, I wish I had the exact stat on me because they, they talked about the stat the next year on uh, Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, given the X amount of carries, Lynch, one of the worst running backs in the history of the NFL to get yardage, which is the weirdest thing. Because obviously, he's an incredible running back, and I love him. Don't get me wrong. But for whatever yeah. reason, a short yardage back is not his thing. Even Derrick Henry, uh, statistically, obviously, probably is the best running back in football. He had similar stats this year where it was like, some Titans fans were like, why are you not running him? He's obviously the best running back. But it was a very similar thing. Obviously, he clearly can churn yardage, and he's, you know, he's a bowling ball. But for whatever reason, just like Lynch, uh, sometimes those big bruising backs, they don't have that initial burst to be able to, you know, because they're, they're, they're not necessarily the quickest guys, but obviously they're strong running backs. And, yeah, so that, that also played a part in the game. But uh, frustrating way to lose that game against the Patriots. But I had no qualms with it because it was, it was a – you know, great game, unfortunate loss. But the, the game against Pittsburgh was way more rattling because uh, it was aided by the referees uh, helping at Pittsburgh quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, funny enough, talking back to Tom Brady, uh, honestly, as great as he is, a couple of his Super Bowls were completely lucky. Sure. Like it's it's hard it's hard to deny the greatness, but no, a, a lot of luck played in those uh, those championships. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't deny that. There's uh, there's no question he's uh, had some fortune. But then you can you can also look at it as you know, the, the year they were perfect and they lost to the Giants, of course, in that last game, that team was unbelievably good and they lost. So it's like comes out in the wash kind of like they had a couple of games they probably should have won and they lost. And then they had a couple of games they probably should have lost and they won. So it's pre- pretty much, you know, pretty much the uh, comes out in the wash in the end uh, pretty well, I would say. Um, I mentioned off the top of this pod that you're something of a fashionista. And uh, we, of course, I have to get to that. Uh, you're, say, you're telling me, oh, well, we can't do it now because... Uh, Unfortunately, our premier, Doug Ford, has said no golf in Ontario, but uh, you just recently yeah. got into golf the last couple of years, I believe, and you're big into the fashion, which is, uh, which is I'm just personally, whatever shirt's uh, not uh, dirty, I wear that to the golf. I don't even think about fashion. Really. But uh, so yeah, wh- you got into golf. Uh, how'd you get into it and uh, how addicted to it are you? 
So I've always loved golf as a young kid. Uh, I mean, mini golf was my jam. You know, growing up, I would go with uh, my friends. Birthday parties I would do there. Even growing a little bit older, I would take first, second dates there. Um, obviously, wow, everyone would be dates. like, oh, you're going to let them win, right? I'm like, absolutely not. If, if they're going to win, they're going to beat me legit. I'm not going to let them win. Absolutely good, not. Good. Yep. But, but uh, you know, I my short game was always my go-to, but I never really got into the long game. And I'm like, you know what? Why not? I'm, I'm getting a bit older. I, you know, have you know full-time jobs. So luckily, even with COVID, you know, I have a little bit extra spending cash. I love golf. Why not give it a try? And I know a bunch of people that play, so I can go play with them. So last year, I ended up buying uh, my first set of irons. And then I got a driver, got a putter. And I'm like, okay, what do I do from here? So I started. I'm like, okay, how hard can this be? And then within like five minutes, I'm like, wow, I suck royally. It's I don't know tough. what I'm doing. <laughs> yep. it, it's so hard. So it was a bit late in the season when I started just because when I ordered from Golf Town, it didn't come in for like six weeks. So I was just kind of waiting for the longest time. And, you know, I played maybe four or five rounds. Um, I did okay towards the end. I got a couple of good drives, made a couple of good putts. But my middle game just is absolutely trash right now. So I'm, I'm hoping once lockdown ends, then I can kind of go get some private lessons, maybe like two, three, just kind of get me in the swing of things, fix up all my small mistakes and, you know, get me a good groove. So a couple of things on that. Uh, uh, did you play like a regular full golf course or did you play like a par three course? No, a regular full golf course. I try to go to a couple of different ones just to get a good feel because there's so many around Ottawa that I'm like, I want to explore them all and kind of get my favorites. Because I feel like um, if you're a beginning player, uh, playing a par three course, I mentioned this to Sarah Anderson I had on a couple episodes ago, that uh, mm-hmm. if you're not playing much, like play the par three course in the, in the holes maybe 100 yards or so around that anyway. And it's not like yeah. 500 yards. So like clearly it's, you know, it's tough for anyone who's even played for many, many years to be able to you know, hit it that far and play the short course. So you always can see the hole and it's not as much of a daunting task. If you kind of slap it around a little bit, it's still close enough to the green. So you're not sort of like a really, really, really overly frustrated. I find that's the, the, the best way of going uh, as a par three course for a beginner. Yeah, and I think uh, I think I might do that. Actually, I'm going to do some research, see what par three courses are on town. You know, everyone keeps saying practice makes perfect, but uh, y- you can't go to the driving range and then go to an actual course. It's it's two completely different things. I would do fantastic yeah. on the range. Like I would get into my groove, hitting consistent shots with my irons, my driver. I'm like, okay, I got this. First shot, I just shanked it. I'm like, well, what, what's going on? I don't get it. Yep. Well, Thunderbird, uh, when we go back to usually when I go back to Ottawa with uh, you know, our our, few, our friends Spiros and Costas and all those guys, uh, Thunderbird's a nice little fun uh, uh, par three course to go to. Uh, and you also you said uh, you would also bring dates and second dates to mini putt. So my question now that you have a fiance, did you take her mini putting? I did. Yeah, it was uh, one of the first dates that we went on. And did you get any whole ones? It's been about five years since we went for the first time. But I remember the most recent time we went to a little place off of Maryville and, you know, she hasn't beaten me to this day and she's super competitive just like I am. So it, it's fun going with her. She doesn't, I even told her, I'm like, you know, do you want me to let you in one of these times? Or like, obviously you're not going to know, but you know, no. do you want me to do that? She's like, absolutely not. If I'm going to win, I'm going to win like legit. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, mm-hmm. fair. And she just, the first course we played, it was it was pretty even. I think I might've gotten one hole to one and I was just so happy. But then the next course after she just got three and I'm like, what's going on with you? Like, this is fantastic. I, I was actually, 
I wasn't even upset. I was shocked and surprised in a good way. I'm like, damn, I didn't know you could do this. That's awesome. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And uh, as, as we mentioned, fa- fashion, did you wear like, what was your, did you have like sweet, like, uh, like the Payne Stewart style uh, plus fours? Did you have like the sweet uh, loudmouth pants that I have? Uh, what's, uh, what's your fashion game like? So for my golf fashion, I'm still building up the collection. I started with classic black shorts and a black performance polo just to kind of get the feel. And then depending on a cold day, sometimes I'll wear uh, like pants, obviously colored. One day I wore a, a blue and pink combination just to kind of get a bit more fashiony. And uh, I even recently got an Under Armour polo. Nothing too crazy, nothing too out there, but it's black with uh, white polka dots. So, I mean, it's slowly building up. I haven't gone to those funky hats or like, you know, the crazy out there styles. I feel like I should at least not get like a triple bogey before I try to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love the, um, personally, the uh, John Daly style loudmouth pants. They're the most fun you could have with your pants on. Uh, you know, I love uh, I love wearing them so much. And they're just, they're just fun, especially seeing people's reactions to them because they're just like, whoa, that's, uh, yeah, that's pretty out there. Because I, I have these awesome uh, clover uh, pants that are just tremendously comfortable. And of course, they shave like five shots off your, off your golf uh, score. Of course. I mean, that's the thing. If, uh, at least if you're going to be bad in my case, you might as well look good doing it. <laughs> no question. Uh, well, this has been awesome. Uh, I'll get you, I'll get you out, of, out of here on this. Cause I know, uh, we both, uh, love some, um, some, uh, video games. And, uh, I, I, of course recently, uh, maybe a month or two ago, something like that, um, they mentioned, or they said that a new Ninja Turtles game, old school arcade style Ninja Turtles game is coming uh, I think it's called Shredder's Revenge. How pumped are you for that? And uh, how much did you play the games back in the day? So funny enough, I never played Turtles back in the day because uh, I, I was too young at that point. And, you know, my sister Vicky, she she had the Super Nintendo, so she was more a fan of Mario. This podcast but, uh, is over. So, uh, okay. Well, I'm going to cut you off <laughs> no, now. No, wait, so. let me no, I'm kidding. I'll make it up to you. I promise. <laughs> um, but uh, a couple years, no, actually no more than like a couple years ago, maybe three, four years ago, uh, my buddy from university, sometimes I would drop by and he too has a Super Nintendo. He, he's obsessed with Turtles. He had all the games. So we would play Turtles in Time. Oh, so and good. So good. I never, it, it, it is good. I mean, I, I was really bad at it for a video game connoisseur like myself. It was, uh, it was very frustrating because usually I pick things up pretty quickly, but I don't know. Old school games are just so much harder than new school games, especially because there was no safe points. You either beat it or you started from the beginning. And it was just pure frustration on my end. I couldn't do it. I remember the the level on Turtles in Time, uh, Prehistoric Turtlesaurus, and the uh, boss was Slash. <laughs> and yeah. that boss, I remember getting so mad back in the day because he would just, I just couldn't, you know, I could maybe, maybe beat him, but it was like, it was impossible to get through him, it seemed like. Occasionally, I would be able to. Of course, if you beat him, then uh, and you just got through him, then of course you'd you know basically die in the next level. Man, I remember as a kid, and I've seen the Super Nintendo controllers. Wow, they did not uh, survive the battle too too well. There was a lot of Smash controllers. Did you ever do that? <laughs> Funny enough, I never did. I've come so close to. I mean, I've actually thrown a couple controllers on my couch because I didn't want to break them, only because I knew. I would get in trouble if I did, and I probably wouldn't get a new controller for a long time. So, I mean, I kind of instilled myself that if you break it, you're going to have to buy it, so don't do it. But, uh, no, I remember specifically one time I was playing, I think, Grand Theft Auto 3 or 4, the one that was in old school Miami, and there was this one mission where you had to be a helicopter and you had to defuse bombs within, like, a construction site. And for the life of me, I spent hours doing this, and I could not beat it. I was getting so mad. I was, like, crying from frustration, and my dad was like, 
what's wrong with you? It's just a video game. Like, you don't understand. It's not okay? just a game, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It, it's no. And uh, yeah, that's probably one of the toughest things I've ever had to do in my life. And once I beat it, I was just jumping for joy, so excited. And uh, no, I'm I'm pumped for the new Turtles game, especially since I still have a Super Nintendo that's working. But I mean, it, it, I know it's. I love the retro games as much as I like the new games. Each one has their own you know, their own style, their feel, nostalgia in a sense. Like the graphics nowadays are completely better than back in the day, but it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to compete with a game from back then. Even NHL 99 on my PS1, like at the time I would play with my buddies after school. I'm like, this is fantastic. It's so realistic. It's like paper cardboard cutouts Mm -hmm. in the stands, but like it was just, I don't know, something else. I tried playing NHL Face Off 99 actually uh, maybe a year or two ago, and uh, obviously it was on PlayStation 1. And I remember loving the game back in the day. Same with like Madden 02. I'm like, oh, these games are sweet, and I couldn't get through like a period or a quarter. I was like, I like this game. It's just like I couldn't believe that. Uh, it's like, man, these, these were block figures, the quarterbacks and stuff. It was just so funny that at the time it was amazing, and now it's like, whoa, compared to, compared to then, uh, compared to now, sorry, uh, not so good. It's also funny you said that uh, you were jumping for joy when you finally beat those levels because I find actually, uh, speaking of old school games, they have uh, the Crash Bandicoot games, which were awesome on PlayStation 1, and then they remastered the three games and into um, the Crash Trilogy they put on uh, PlayStation 4 a year or two ago, and they have a new one, Crash, it's about time because it's been many years since they've had a new Crash game, and the levels are really, really, really difficult. A lot of fun, but really, really tough. Like I literally could spend like... 90 minutes to beat one level and uh and you get so mad you get so upset you're so frustrated you know you lost 150 times you're so mad. and then whenever i'd win it was like oh yeah cool right right on let's move on like there's like the, the the how for how mad you get for losing all the time it's not worth it when you win it's like oh yeah cool whatever it's it's just so funny how like to me i wasn't jumping for joy i was just like yeah well, well, it's fine oh no cool. i'm the complete opposite i can't do it as soon as it's passed i'm like I love it. I'm in the moment. I'm cheering. And then I'm like, okay, what's next? But it's funny because now watching my uh, my nephew, he's like turning seven this year, watching him play video games, you know, like that frustration, I can feel it. I can see it. And I'm like, oh my God, no, it's already starting with him. So I'm trying to tell him like, you know, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. just a game. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, on the inside, I'm like, it's not just a game. I'm just saying this so you don't get upset. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been that with that. Uh, obviously, I've been an uncle since I've been eight, eight years old, and, uh, you know, playing sports or something with nephews or nieces back in the day. It's like no, no, like don't get mad. Like they're playing golf or something. Like no, no, no don't get upset. And I'm, and I'm in my mind, I'm thinking, I totally would have been the exact same way. In fact, I pretty much <laughs> am the exact same way still. So I can't really be saying that, but I'm trying to say it because it's like, oh, that should be the thing I should say. But in reality, you're like, I respect that. Exactly, I, I respect that. <laughs> well, I respect you, uh, Aki. This has been a, a blast uh, on the podcast. Really excited to have you on, and uh, thanks for taking the time. It's been, uh, it's been great. Of course, man. Thanks so much for having me. And hopefully once all this is over, whether you come here, I come there, we can shoot around to golf and maybe continue our annual boys trip. Oh, yeah. I miss that so much. It's uh, always been a blast uh, for the Raptors, and we were hoping to make it uh, uh, in the summer a Blue Jays trip as well. But, yeah, the last couple of years, no games in Toronto for the Jays, which is very, very disappointing. Yeah, sadly. Well, thank you so much, Aki. Uh, appreciate it, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, man. Can't wait. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye. Beautiful. That was awesome. Okay. Wow. It never fits. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze, as I've d- discussed before many times. I guess uh, as uh, I think it actually was his brother-in-law, Peter, was the last one. Uh, I think it was four episodes or five episodes ago, something like that. I believe it was episode fifty-eight. Uh, that <laughs> same thing. 
you know, the end of the episode, you know, great stuff. You, oftentimes you wait a second. Okay. You know, it's easy to have for my uh, star editor, Grant Namesy uh, Roberts, to edit the thing. And then you say, hey, man, you know, great stuff. It was awesome. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, as I've said before, half the time people bail and half the time they stick around. We have a little, uh, you know, um, post-mortem where we discussed the episode afterwards. He bounced so quickly. <laughs> that, no, it was uh, great talking with Aki. Uh, super fun. And, and let's just hope that golf courses are open and we're able to play. And uh, I miss that so much. And especially as we get into the, uh, you know, the summer months. I played uh, four times in the first three weeks that golf courses were open. And I was freezing so incredibly hard. You know, basically into the wind, 400-yard holes are playing like 700 yards because it's so cold and you're directly into the wind. They were brutal. But it was fun talking to him about golf and the NFL draft this week. So excited for that as much as I can be, given the fact that Seattle only has a few picks, so hopefully they make some trades there. But it's always exciting, the NFL draft. That's the one league, the NFL, more than any other one, where you can potentially within a year become a great team because there's only 16 now, 17 games in the NFL. So you know, a, a trash team by the next year can be a really, really competitive team. You never know, as opposed to like baseball or hockey, basketball, where it's like a five-year or so plan. A lot of fun talking to Aki about uh, sports and uh, even talking a little bit of soccer. I know I don't often talk about that on this podcast, but uh, that Euro, Euro Super League, it was just funny to me as someone who doesn't really care about soccer, how unbelievably passionate and upset and mad people were about that league. It's pretty much toast by now. Thank you for listening so much to the episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.